the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Derek Bukema, pastor of Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, and I'm so glad that you've joined us today for Grounded and Growing in Christ here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Each weekday at this time, we open God's Word, exploring how it changes us and brings us closer to Him. Right now, we are in a message series called Something Beautiful for God, discussing what the Bible says about humanity, sexuality, marriage, and procreation. To hear all of the messages in this series, please visit groundedandgrowingradio.com. And if you'd like to help provide financial support for this radio ministry, you can make a gift of any size at that same website, groundedandgrowingradio.com. If you're not already a part of a local church family, then I would like to invite you to visit us at Orland Park CRC this Sunday as we gather to worship the Lord and study His Word together. To find our service times and location information, just visit groundedandgrowingradio.com. And now, let's open God's Word to see what He has for us today. Today's the final sermon in our series on human sexuality. Let's give our attention now to this text, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 50 to 58. I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that's written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. We've talked about a wide array of different matters. We've talked about ourselves and our identities and our sexuality as created by God and how He made us good and made us as and made sex good. We talked about our bodies. We talked about being made male and female, about marriage and the good of sex and children. We've talked about broken uses of our sexuality, any sexual activity outside of the union of a husband and a wife. We talked about um, redeemed uses of sexuality for those that have trusted in the Lord Jesus, about the good of friendship, about how marriage sanctifies us, about how singleness is good. We've talked about chastity and the call to every single Christian to flee sexual immorality and to pursue chaste and holy lives. And today, we're going to be talking about how things end how every life ends until the Lord Jesus returns. One of the realities for those of us that live in this world, created good, but living in a world where all things are stained by sin, is that our bodies, created by God and good, our bodies decline and then we die. 
It doesn't matter if you're married or single, male or female, one day we will all die. And it can be uncomfortable talking about death, about how all relationships end the same way in death. Death is the end of a marriage covenant. Death is the righteous end of a marriage covenant that allows a widow or a widower to remarry, to marry again. Death is the sad rending of relationships with a beloved friend. C.S. Lewis talked about how when he lost one of his dear friends, every person was diminished. He said, I'll no longer see Tolkien laugh in that particular way when our lost friend made a, a special joke. He talked about how they were all diminished because instead of getting more of his friends, he got less of them because he didn't get to see the way that that friend that they had lost unlocked something in another friend. So death is this thing that brings all human relationships to an end. We'll all experience it. And if you picture yourself sitting around a table with all of your friends, one person at that table will watch everyone else around that table die and then die themselves if the Lord tarries. Death is a part of being human in this fallen world. And so as we conclude this series, it's important for us to consider the hope that can exist in the face of death for all of those who trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Death is a great enemy. Death is a terrible tragedy. Death is something that brings real loss. And I don't want to sugarcoat that or pretend as though death is just something that is natural or normal. Instead, I want to tell all of us who trust in the Lord Jesus Christ that there is hope beyond this great enemy of death. This is serious and extremely relevant stuff. How do I think about death or deal with it? How do I handle it? How do I die well? How do I part with others well? And 1 Corinthians 15 is the great scriptural key to unlocking that. And 1 Corinthians 15 verses 50 to 58, they give to us the problem of death, but also the solution and the way that we can respond So that's what we'll be talking about is the problem, the solution, and how it is that we can respond. So first, the problem. The first part of the section lays out a problem. And as it does that, Paul, who is inspired by God, the Holy Spirit, to write this section of scripture, Paul wants you to pay attention to what he's saying. He's saying, I tell you this, brothers. It's like when somebody, maybe you're at a summer barbecue and somebody's telling a story and he gets to the part of the story where he really wants you to pay attention and he can tell that some people have started, you know, maybe drifting off a little bit or started talking to the person right next to him. He's like, now listen up. That's what Paul is saying here as he brings us to the end of this passage of scripture. He's being like, all right, listen up, listen up. Paul, through the course of this chapter, has told us wonderful things that Jesus Christ The one who came to earth, became flesh, was born of a virgin, true God and true man. This one who lived a perfect life while being truly human and truly God, Jesus died on a cross and was buried and rose again from the dead. And that means that death itself isn't final. It means that Jesus, through his resurrection, began undoing the curse of death, the curse that we are all under. It's why everyone lives and dies because we're under this curse of death death and the fact that Jesus was raised as first fruits means that more resurrections are coming. It was the first part of the harvest of more resurrections that are coming. The fact that Jesus got up from the grave and now Paul is trying to apply this beautiful truth of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ to you, which is why he starts with, I tell you this, 
He's reminding you to listen, pay attention. He's saying, listen up, brothers. And when he says brothers, he means all Christians. He means brothers and sisters. He's saying, listen up, brothers and sisters in Jesus. Listen, everyone who is a Christian, there is a problem. And that problem is that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. He's saying that there is a kingdom coming, an imperishable one, one in which people do not die and systems do not exploit and societies don't break down and people are not harmed or taken for granted and righteousness is extolled and you never have to say goodbye and this will always be and this is the hope of every single human heart, a better kingdom, a lasting kingdom without destruction or mourning or tears or breaking down or final partings, one where righteousness is never ending and where everyone is safe and there's no stay-at-home orders limiting your interactions and no viruses to kill or destroy and, and no evidence of decay at all, in fact, because it's an imperishable kingdom. But the problem is that our bodies, the way that they are right now, stained with sin, sinning, experiencing the effects of the fall, are fallible, are sinful, are destined for failure. They're broken because of the fall. They're broken because of our sexual sin or our cruelty to others or ourselves. They're broken by loss and time and age. And these bodies that are a part of this falling away world, this passing away world, can't be in that imperishable place. They don't belong there. Flesh and blood can't inherit the kingdom of God. That's the problem. These bodies are perishable. They die. And that kingdom is imperishable. It doesn't die. It cannot die. And so he's saying, listen up, Christian. Your body fails. So it doesn't belong in an unfailing kingdom. You've been listening to today's message from Pastor Derek Bukema. To learn more about Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, listen to past programs, and to give a gift to support our work preaching the Bible on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life, visit us today at groundedandgrowingradio.com. And while you're there, please sign up to download your free copy of the ebook, Answering Seven Hard Questions That Christians Ask. Again, that's groundedandgrowingradio.com. And now more from Pastor Derek in our series called Something Beautiful for God. Discussing humanity, sexuality, marriage, and procreation. This is where Paul gets to his second command to pay attention. Verse 51. He gives you two two commands to pay attention, which means you should probably pay attention. He starts verse 15. He says, I tell you this. That's him saying, listen up. And then he says in verse 51, behold. He's like, all right, now look at this. Give your full attention to this. Listen and look at what it is that I'm telling you. He says, we shall not all sleep. But we shall be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. Here's what he's saying. He's saying that Jesus came to earth and became flesh. He lived for you, Christian. He died for you, Christian. He rose again for you and ascended into heaven for you. And this one, Jesus Christ, is going to return. And it's going to happen so fast, in the twinkling of an eye, at a time where we might not anticipate or expect it. Jesus will return. And some of us who are in this service right now may still be here when that happens, when Jesus returns. And we should live with that level
level of expectation and anticipation that Jesus is going to come back and we might see it with our own, with our own eyes and something remarkable is going to happen at that time when Christ Jesus returns and the dead are raised. We're going to be changed. We're going to be transformed. All of those who have trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ in the twinkling of an eye will be given bodies that are imperishable and do not spoil or fade or die. And all of those who have died before Christ Jesus returns will be raised and will be given heavenly bodies that don't spoil or fade or be subject to sin. And this is the hope when Jesus returns at the sounding of the trumpet. At this time in battle, in war, if your side won, you would sound a trumpet to declare the fact that you had just won a victory on the battlefield. And this trumpet that's going to sound at the very end, it's going to be the greatest victory cry because it's going to be telling us that death is done, that death is defeated, and that Jesus has won. That's what's going to be the sound of the last trumpet. These new bodies that we're going to be given at that time when Christ Jesus returns, these are the sort that may dwell in the kingdom of God. Holy bodies restored, fashioned by God without capacity for decay or sin or exploitation or for unbiblical sexual activity or any such thing that's not fitting for this imperishable kingdom. And we ourselves, our new bodies will be brought into God's kingdom. That is the new heavens and the new earth where we will dwell forever and ever and ever and ever. At that time, there's going to be what, what I love to call sanctified taunting. I use that phrase when I preach from this passage on Thanksgiving. We're going to be able to engage in some sanctified taunting. That's what the Bible says. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, that's verse 30, uh, 54, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that's written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where's your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? When Jesus returns, all the redeemed will be able to taunt death. You lost death. Jesus won. Now, this last year has been a year of loss. It's been a year of loss for many people within the congregation. It's been a year of loss for me. You know that my grandfather died in November, and it's a loss. You know that it was about three months ago that Aubrey and I lost our unborn child. And I feel the sting of death as I think about all of that. And until Jesus returns, I'm going to feel that sting. And as I lose other dear ones and loved ones that I've cared about, I'll feel that sting. And I've talked to members of the congregation, and we've shed tears together about how sometimes they have lost and how it will always be with them. And I feel the sting of death right now, but the victory that death has won is temporary. And even now, I can engage in some sanctified taunting. Aubrey and I did that in a specific way. After we lost our child a few months ago, we buried our child and named that little baby Zion Hope. Elsie was certain she was going to be having a sister, and so that's what we have assumed. And we decided that right now, in the midst of death, we would engage in sanctified taunting, and that's what Zion's name was, Zion Hope. We named her that and buried her in the hope that we will see her again in the new heavens and new earth. When the Lord Jesus returned and there's no, more imperish- there's no more perishable bodies because he clothes us with that which is imperishable. And so our hope is that death's victory is temporary. Zion hope. We hope that in Zion we will see you again. It was our way of saying, death, where's your victory? Death, where's your sting? You couldn't keep Jesus down and you won't keep anyone down who's joined to him by faith. 
And this means, this means, this means that those of us that trust in Jesus, that, that lose one who has trusted in Jesus, we can, in the midst of the pain or the loss, and it is painful, death is not a good thing, death is not something to be celebrated, death is something that is not the way that it's supposed to be, but in the midst of death, we can engage in sanctified taunting, and it can look different ways at different times. Sometimes it means through the tears, you nonetheless recognize in your heart, in your heart of hearts, this is not the end. This is not the final word. This is not the last chapter. Sometimes it means that in the midst of the loss, you recognize that there's been decline. Say it's somebody who's lived a long life and there's been decline at the end and you realize, wow, this person has been set free to glory in the presence of the Lord God. And that means that sometimes at the time of a funeral where we've lost someone, there can be a genuine Christian holy laughter. And I think that that is part of this sanctified taunting of death because it comes from people that recognize, man, this isn't the final word, death. You're not going to win You've not separated us forever, but Jesus Christ is going to win the victory. Sometimes it just means a sense of hope in the midst of loss or pain. First Thessalonians says, we don't mourn like those who have no hope. It means that whenever we experience death, when we know that hope of resurrection, we're engaged in that sanctified taunting. Where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? It means that in the face of death, there can still be gratitude. Isn't that interesting? Here's what the Bible says, verses 56 and 57. The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And this is the way that we should respond to death because of what God has done to it through Christ Jesus. Here's how we respond. We can taunt, and we can be grateful. Thanks be to God, sin and death have been defeated. And thanks be to God, that victory has been given to us through our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, God, you have given Christ's victory to us. There's a reason to give thanks always, even in the face of death, even in the face of loss. Death has been defeated. And any victory that it wins is only temporary for all those who are in Christ Jesus. It's not a final victory, it's only a temporary one. And so hear me. Your biggest threat, your biggest enemy is not anything earthly. It's not even division. It's not a different political party. It's not problems at work. It's not trouble within the home. Your biggest enemy is not if you're going to be able to pay your mortgage or if the bills are piling up. Your biggest enemy is sin and death, and they've both been defeated by Jesus. And so thank God. This means that there can be an extraordinary otherworldly hope in the midst of mourning whenever we lose. And let me conclude by saying this because it's the way that the passage ends. It says, therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. So that's the call for us today, to be steadfast and to be immovable. It means that we live in a society where there are all sorts of shifting words that come, and specifically about human sexuality. And so if we've worked our way through this series, we need to be reminded to be steadfast and immovable, holding to that which is true, abounding in the work of the Lord, and also knowing that your labor is not in vain. 
Because death doesn't end your existence, which would make it so that everything would be foolish. In fact, the book of Ecclesiastes talks about all of this. The the preacher in Ecclesiastes said that viewed from the perspective of the world, if death is the final thing for all of us, that means that our labor is useless, that our lives are vain and purposeless. If we view it things just just from the perspective of the world, death is this foolish, great foolishness, this final leveling. But if we have the perspective of God, recognizing that death is temporary, and will be brought to an end, it means that everything that you do in this life is worthwhile because it doesn't just end when you die. It's meaningful, everything that you do. Every time you choose righteousness rather than sin, it's worthwhile. Every time you hold fast to what God has commanded and you are steadfast and immovable, it is worthwhile. Every time you disciple your child in faithfulness, it is worthwhile. Every time you repent and return to that which is good and holy and true, it is worthwhile. But more than that, every time that you do something that you might view as mundane, it's worth it. Your labor's not in vain. Every time you change a spark plug or rock a baby or swing a hammer or balance the books or complete another sale, every time you say a good night story, every time in this life that you say goodbye until Christ Jesus comes again, it is not in vain because death is defeated. Jesus has won. And so thanks be to God. We have a special gift today. And that is we are going to be able to hear from a member of the congregation, Christy Sulian. She's going to come up and share because recently her father, Len Donofrio, went to be with the Lord. And she's going to tell us about the hope that is hers in the midst of that loss because of the fact that death has been defeated. In December of 2018, my dad, Len Donofrio, discovered that his um, recent diagnosis of Parkinson's disease wasn't correct. His actual diagnosis was a glioblastoma the size of a lemon in the middle of his brain. Growing up, my dad taught so many lessons as challenges arose, and he would say things like, walk like you know where you're going, and no one will stop you. And he didn't just talk that talk, he walked that walk. And he would say, you're not dumb, but the choice that you made was... His words allowed me to keep confidence in my capabilities, but challenged me to think. He set that example. He loved our family. He loved my mom. He valued time with his kids and with his grandkids. He ran. He worked out. He played golf. He hiked. He was involved in church in so many different ways, finances, Bible studies, small groups, teaching. He loved to study the Bible. And all of that sounds really good. That's what a Christian does. But when he encountered the most difficult challenge, this glioblastoma, how was he going to respond? He responded with faith and hope, believing and trusting God was going to heal him and be present with him, comfort him, and love him. He commented to people that he had been teaching a class on the attributes of God and now was being challenged to hold on to those teachings. He listened to hymns constantly and posted the lyrics on the walls of the rooms that he stayed in because they brought him comfort. The words soothed him. He was given canvases with sayings that he loved and he displayed them on the mantle. He watched pastors preaching and when he could no longer read the Bible, his Bible, he listened to the Bible on CD. He showed love and gratitude to the nurses except during the 2 a.m. well-being check, and then he posted a sign on his door saying or telling the staff that they could come back at 5 
in the morning when he was already awake. We're not perfect. But he made sure he called them by name. And he often instructed my mom or myself to pick up donuts or candy or bring in pizza for the staff. He talked to people about God. He wanted tracts to give to people. He shared the gospel with anyone and everyone because he had hope, relentless hope. Hope in knowing without any doubt that he belonged to God. Hope because of his faith, but even more because of God's faithfulness. He desperately wanted others to have that same hope. Because the gospel is truth. July 1st of 2020, my dad was welcomed into glory. And he finally found the healing he fully believed that he would receive. Our family grieves. We miss him tremendously as we feel his absence. Yet God has given us hope. The same relentless hope my dad clung to, we cling to. Jesus is God. Jesus died to take our sins. Jesus conquered death, rose from the dead, and he is living. He is our redeemer. He is our savior. He and only he heals with the joyful promise of eternity together with him, our heavenly father. Let's pray. Heavenly father, thank you so very much for what Christy has just shared. We thank you for the life and the faith of Len and the example that he had to the point of death. We thank you for the hope that is hers and her family's in the midst of this loss because Jesus is alive and Jesus will return and life with him will never end. And so we pray that we would be steadfast and immovable in that truth and in that faith, knowing that our labor is not in vain, knowing that Jesus has defeated death and living in hope because of that incredible promise. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus, thanking you. For the victory Jesus has won. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to today's message from Pastor Derek Bukema. To learn more about Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, listen to past programs, and to give a gift to support our work preaching the Bible on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life, visit us today at groundedandgrowingradio.com. And while you're there, please sign up to download your free copy of the ebook, Answering Seven Hard Questions That Christians Ask. Again, that's groundedandgrowingradio.com. This is Pastor Derek Bukema, and on behalf of Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, we want to thank you for your support and partnership in proclaiming the gospel here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. If you're looking for a local church to call home, Orland Park Christian Reformed Church welcomes you to worship with us this Sunday. You can find all the details online at groundedandgrowingradio.com. Thanks again for joining us. And until next time, may God bless you. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.